good morning. Good to see you here, worshiping with you. Last week we did have our uh, our uh, first of what I hope are many uh, great day of services, and it was it was a great time. We had a great group come out, more successful because of you uh, than I could have ever imagined. I had probably uh, more people than I can count, at least up here, uh, say thank you from city workers, uh, city leaders, uh, school uh, officials. Uh, people in the city, neighbors, uh, people all week long say thank you for your work and your help here in Webb City, Carl Junction, Joplin. Um, and so on behalf of them, thank you for your work. I was also asked, while I was thanked several times, I was also asked several times, um, why did you do it? Why would you take a Sunday morning and have a great day of service, cancel uh, services as we know it, and uh, go together as a church out to the community and serve. I actually had some people, some friends of mine back in Virginia on Facebook uh, message and asked the same thing. Uh, that's cool. What was going on? And then why would you do it? I was asked enough times that I wanted to answer the question this morning. Why would we do a great day of service? And not only that, but kind of extend it out. Why do we do some of the peculiar, weird, different things that we do as, as a church? I answered the question this week this way. I said, because I want Wellspring to be a church for Webb City. I want Wellspring to be a church for Joplin. I want Wellspring to be a church for Southwest Missouri. Let me explain. I think there's at least four different kinds of churches. The first one is this. A church in a city or in a certain location. In, in our area, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of churches. Most of them get together on Sunday morning, meet, worship. They have a great time. They honor the Lord, I'm sure. And then they leave. And they do it week after week after week. And um, after you look at the course of their life, they have made very, very little impact on their community. If they went away, outside of the people that worship there, nobody would notice. That's a church that is in the city. Or in a location. They worship. They honor the Lord. But they make very little impact on their community. There's another kind of church. At least a, another kind of church. A church against the city. This is a church. Think Westboro Baptist. They haven't come across a person they didn't hate. And they did it in the name of the Lord. I mean, they, they see something and they hate it. And, they, and they're, they're doing it on behalf of the Lord. I mean, they just, they're against everything in the city that they've been located, that, that, that they're located in. I mean, they have not seen something that they didn't want to object to. And they did it in the name of Jesus. And they, um, uh, you know, uh, just were against everything. You give them something, they're against it. That's a church that I would call a church against the city. There's a third option, I think. And that's a, ch a church that's like the city or like the community that they are located in. Uh, if, you, if you hear uh, or, or attend or, or visit a church like this, the, the best way to describe this church would be relevant. Their desire as a church is to be relevant. They want to imitate the community. They want to imitate the culture. They want to sound like the culture. They want to look like the culture. I uh, attended a church like this when, when we first got married, uh, when we moved to a different, uh, or a different city. We were actually visiting around. We visited this, a church that was like this several times. And one week they put up, you know, pulled up a Ferrari up onto the stage. 
in an effort to relate, to be relatable to the community. On the outside, on the surface, this sounds good, I think. Um, in an effort to, to, sh to share the gospel, they, they, they do everything they can to relate, to be relevant. Um, but, but if you dig a little bit deeper, I think a church whose ultimate desire it is is to be relevant um, finds it very difficult to speak truth. To, be, uh, to speak truth when sin needs to be confronted. To be salt and light in difficult times, not just when it's easy. Those are three options. A church that's in the city, a church that's against the city, a church that is like the city. But I think there's a fourth option, and that's a church that's for the city. And that's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. That's the kind of church that I pray Wellspring Church is known as. A church that is for the city, that is leveraging our resources, that's leveraging our time, that's using uh, the, the, the uh, 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 specific or, or the, the limited amount of time, the limited amount of money, the limited amount of resources to, to leverage those for the sake of the gospel in our community. I want to be a part of a church like that. In Jeremiah chapter 29, God encourages his people, the Israelites, to be that kind of people. To be a people that are for the city that they've been located in. Let me set up what's going on and as you turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. We're going to start in verse 1. Uh, the, the Israelites have been told by God that they are about to be taken over. Because of sin, they are about to be, be um, uh, overthrown, conquered by an enemy. The Babylonians. And, and uh, the Babylonians, they come, they conquer Israel, they destroy uh, Israel, and they take um, the best and the brightest back to Babylon. Unlike every other conqueror before them who would just come in, they would wipe out a city, they would destroy a, the, the, the city, they would kill everybody in the city, and then they would go back, uh, you know, plunder the city, and then bring it back to their uh, town, to their city. Uh, the Babylonians were a little bit different. They would go, they would conquer a city, but they wouldn't kill everybody. They would take the best and the brightest and, and all of the wealth in the city, and they would bring it back to Babylon. And then they would invite the people that they had just conquered to live in Babylon. Many times they would actually have access to King Nebuchadnezzar's palace. And they would encourage them to assimilate into the city of Babylon. And within a, sh a few short years, at the very, very most, within one generation, the people that had been conquered were no longer Israelites that were in Babylon. They were just Babylonians. And they would assimilate and would become part of the city. Well, the Israelites knew this. And after they had been con con uh, conquered, they uh, were brought back to Babylon, but they decided they were not going to assimilate Inside the walls of Babylon. They were gonna they were gonna set up a little camp out on the outskirts of town, outside the walls, um, on the, the K Bar Canal. And they were just gonna have their own little community there. They were gonna be isolated from Babylon. They weren't gonna play ball with the plan of the Babylonians and King Nebuchadnezzar. They were Israelites and they were never going to be called Babylonians. They refused to assimilate. And they had good reason to. Some, some people that ended up being false prophets told them, look, 
God, you're God's chosen people. He's not going to make you stay in exile for long. You're just going to be there for two, three, maybe four years at the most. Then God's going to rescue you and take you back to Jerusalem. Don't worry about assimilating into the city of Babylon. Just live by yourself, and God will bring you back in a short amount of time. So that's what the Israelites do. They move to Babylon, right outside of the city. They set up their own little camp, uh, right, out, uh, right next to the Kabar Canal, and they begin to live. And God sends them a message through his messenger, Jeremiah. And here's what the message from God says. Verse 1. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles. And to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after, G uh, uh, after King Jeconiah, the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah, and Jerusalem. All the, the, the very talented, the gifted people were brought back. This is the message to them. This is the best and the brightest. The craftsmen, the metal workers... Uh, and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of uh, Elisa, the son of Shephan, and uh, Jemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, the king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And here's what the message said. You've set up camp outside of, of Babylon. You've set up a, a little huddle where only you live on the Kabar Canal. Here is the message from God that you're not doing it right. Here's what he says. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. That they may bear sons and daughters, and multiply there, and do not decree, de decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where you, uh, I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. Stop right there. God says, I don't want you to live outside of the city in your own little group. I want you to, to move into the city of Babylon. I want you to be for the city of Babylon. I want you to, to plant your lives there, to, to um, uh, begin to put down roots there. I want you to have kids there. I want your kids to have kids there. I want you to be for the city. And I want you to, to pray for the city. I want you to pray for the welfare of the city. I want, I, I want you to pray that it, would, that it would prosper. That word welfare literally means peace, shalom. But, but it's actually deeper than that. It, it means that you're that, to, to, to pray for the prosperity of the city. Put in my notes if I can find it. It means uh, that you're going to pray for the universal flourishing of the city. This is radical. I mean, think about what had just happened to the Israelites. They were, they were living in their, their, uh, their city of Jerusalem, the Babylonians come, 
They conquer them, they, they, they kill loved ones, and then they bring back some of the best and the brightest back to Babylon. And when they get back to Babylon, what does God tell them to do? God tells them, move in with them. Move into the, to the city with them. M move next door to them. Begin to integrate your lives with them. Pray for their welfare. Pray for the universal flourishing of that city. The people that have just conquered you and killed some of your loved ones. I want you to become friends with them. I want you to leverage the, the limited time that you have for their flourishing. I don't want you to live on the outskirts. I don't, you, I don't want you to just bide your time until I take you back to Jerusalem. I want you to live there. And I want you to plant your life there. And I want you to, to build relationships there. And I want you to do it all for the sake of the city that you live in. For their flourishing. For in their flourishing, you will flourish as well. I want our church to be known that way. In those verses that we just read, it said that you went into exile. But, but, but I'm the one who, who was using Nebuchadnezzar. I'm the one who was using Nebuchadnezzar to bring you into exile. You thought, you thought that Nebuchadnezzar was the one who drove you into exile. But that's not the case. He was doing my bidding. King Nebuchadnezzar was doing my bidding. He, he's the one who brought you into exile. But I'm the one who wants you there. I'm the one who placed you there. I'm the one who put you there. At this particular time, at this point in history, he was doing my bidding. I want to be part of a church that leverages the time and the resources that we have for the sake of the city that we live in. Understanding that whatever we think brought us here was actually God working behind the scenes to put us at this place, in this city, during this year, for the sake of his glory. You thought it was, you thought it was family. This is all you've ever known. I, I'm born here, raised here, had generations here. I just, this is all I ever know. But, but God's the one who was, who was orchestrating events so that you would be here at this particular time, in this place, during this year. You thought it was your job. You thought it was a marriage. You thought it was a, a house that was given to you. But it was God working behind the scenes. Leveraging um, uh, resources. Or, or leveraging events. So that you would be here. At this particular time. In this place. For the sake of his glory. I want to be part of a church that does that. I want, I want us individually to be known as a, uh, as a church uh, or as a people that, that is leveraging our resources for the sake of the city that God's placed us in. I want us to be known as corporately as a church, that Wellspring Church would be in, uh, known, not just as a church that lives here or, or that worships here, um, that, that's against everything that goes on here, that tries to be just like everything that goes on here. No, I want to be part, uh, I want Wellspring Church to be known as a church that, that is for the city that we have been placed in. Just like God commanded the Israelites when they were conquered by the Babylonians. He goes on. Next verse. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are not among you deceive you. And do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie. 
that they are prophesying to you in my name. And uh, I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will uh, fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. So here's what God says. You were told that you're going to be there two, three, maximum four years. That's a lie. Those are false prophets that told you that. You're going to be there for 70 years. That's why I want you to, to, to plant your life there. I want you to leverage uh, your, your relationships there. I want you to share uh, my goodness there. I want you to be for the city because you're going to be there for 70 years. 70 years. And then I'm going to visit you and I'm going to bring you back. But it's going to be a long time based, uh, based on, on, on our uh, understanding of time. 70 years you're going to be there. It goes on. Next verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. It continues. Then you will call upon me and I will pray. Uh, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will hear you. Next verse. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart. And I will be found by you. What an awesome promise. That God is going to be found by us when we seek him. Even in the New Testament, when Jesus shows up on the scene, it's evidence that we, that we never really seek God with all of our heart. That we're, we're a broken people, and yet we're still uh, able to find him in his grace. His grace is overflowing. That when we seek him, he, he seeks to be found. He can be found by us. When we seek him, uh, he, he can be found by us. What an awesome, awesome promise. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. God doesn't say that he wanted the Israelites to escape from the city, to be against the city, or to assimilate into the city in such a way that there was no difference between them and the Babylonians. He wanted them to be for the city, representing a, a, a nation that's not of this world in the city of Babylon. The best metaphor for, for what's being described here in Jeremiah is, a, is an, uh, an ambassador. An ambassador. If you were to come to Washington, D.C., and I happen to be there visiting my parents at the same time, and you said, hey, Scott, um, I'd be interested in, in, in having a tour of Washington, D.C. First of all, I would sign up immediately. I love it. One of my favorite things to do, give tours of Washington, D.C. And as, when I picked you up at the airport or at your hotel, whatever, uh, wherever it is we decided to meet, the very first place that I would take you probably is uh, I'd put you in my car and we would head down Massachusetts Avenue. Massachusetts Avenue in, in uh, the city there in the district is known as Embassy Road. And we would drive down the Embassy Road and I would point out all the different embassies. Inside the embassies is where the, the ambassadors uh, work. And where they represent the nation uh, that, that, that is their home. But they represent the nation in the United States. So they live in country A and they represent country B. And the very best ambassadors 
uh, are the ones that are, in a very real sense, bilingual and multicultural. They live in country A, and they understand the language. They understand the humor. They understand the culture. They're relatable. They even love the culture that they live in. They build relationships. They, 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 they um, send their kids to school. Their, their lives begin to take root in country A, where they are ambassadors. But they always remember that their ultimate loyalty lies with country B. The country that sent them there. The, com the country that they represent. A people, a church, that is for the city are ambassadors. We, we live in a city. We understand the culture. But we always remember that our ultimate loyalty lies with a nation that is not of this world. You may think, Scott, I, you know, the whole, you know, uh, parallel between Israel and us, I, I have a hard time with that. I, I'm not sure. They're, they're completely analogous. The, the whole ambassador thing, I get it. It sounds like a good story, but I'm not sure it's exactly anal analogous to what we're talking about here in Jeremiah. But remember who this message was to, who this letter was to. It was to a, a, a group of Israelites who were exiles. Exiles, they've been conquered in Jerusalem and brought as exiles to Babylon. And remember in the New Testament that in James and 1 Peter, that you and I, if you know Christ this morning, are called exiles, resident aliens. We're ambassadors here. We live in a place. We want to leverage our resources. We want to meet needs here. But we do it all with our eye on the country or the city, the king that sent us here. Our ultimate life loyalty lies in a city that's not of this world. The best example of this that I came across while studying this week was a, 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 a church called Metropolitan Tabernacle in the 1850s. It was pastored by a guy named Charles Spurgeon. Uh, he, he preached God's word. He was called the Prince of Preachers. He would teach God's word, um, pack out his church every single week with thousands and thousands of, of people in the city of London. And, and people were coming to Christ uh, week after week. But they were not satisfied to just be a church that was in the city of London. It was during the Victorian age. The Industrial Revolution was happening, and people were coming in from the, the countryside. They were flooding into the city of London. And as a result, the um, uh, city was changing. It was changing culturally. It was changing economically. It was really changing in a radical, radical way. And so every church there in the city of London had a decision to make. And many of the, the, the churches did what you would expect. They just picked up their, uh, their, their uh, community, their, their uh, church, the, the people there, and they moved out to the suburbs, away from the chaos of the city, the changing city, uh, away from the, 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 the changing complexion of the city. Other churches just went away completely. But the Metropolitan Tabernacle was not satisfied to move outside of London, away from the chaos. They wanted to make a difference. They wanted to be known as a church for the city of London. And so people just like you and me, average, ordinary people who desire to know Christ and make a difference in their communities, began to do a work in London. 
They began to build orphanages. Uh, uh, there, there were enough beds so that every single orphan in the city of London had a place to sleep because of the Metropolitan Tabernacle. They, they didn't have a welfare system like we know here in the United States today. And so older folks would come into the city, and if, if there was, uh, if they, they, you know, loved ones died or they got uh, displaced from, from their family, um, relationships were severed. They didn't have a place to live. They didn't have a place to stay, to, 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 stay, to lay their head at night. So the, the uh, uh, Metropolitan Tabernacle saw a need, and they began to build um, uh, houses. They built 17 houses for the elderly. You may think, well, 17, that's not much. That's more than double the number of houses that were in the city at the time. They began to meet the needs of the orphans, the elderly, and the poor. They weren't satisfied to meet together on a Sunday morning, worship, and then go out and not make any difference in the community that God had placed them. So much so that it was said that at the end of Spurgeon's pastorate, that London, if it were not for the Metropolitan Tabernacle, would have been brought to its knees. It could not have met the needs of the people in the city. Metropolitan Tabernacle filled with people just like you and me, making a difference, being a community of people, a church for the city. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a church like that. A church that if we went away, this community would feel it. This community would, would be adversely affected if it were not for Wellspring Church. I want to be a part of a church like that. I have two pictures on my wall. It's, a, it, it's the same place, but it's from two different angles. And it's the very first um, time that we met as a church. We were in a barn right down the road. The very first um, service that we ever had as Wellspring Church. A handful of us in there in the barn worshiping. And I look at it every single day and there are two reminders for me. Number one is this. We have come a long way. I mean four and a half years and I look younger in those pictures. <laughs> We've come a long ways. But number two and more importantly we have a limited amount of time to put our church, or to put our stamp on church history. And I want to make a difference. I want to be known as a church for this city, for Southwest Missouri. God has given us, at the very, very most, 40 years, 10% of it, 10% of it, if God gives us that amount of time. If he, those of us in this room and in the hour before and in the hour after, at the very, very most, 40 years, if God gives us that amount of time, 10% of it is already gone. We've spent it. We have, it has passed. It's gone. We'll never get it back. 40 years at the most that we have to put our stamp on church history. I want to make a difference. I want to be a part of a church like that. 40 years is all we got at the most. And then we pass the baton to the generation behind us, and it's their turn to carry it. I want to be a part of a church that is for this city. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for Wellspring Church and the difference that we're making. For your glory, it is our prayer.
That you're the one who would be praised. You're the one who would get the glory. You're the one who would be worshipped. But Father, I pray that we would be a church that's for the city. We'd make a difference in small ways and in larger ways. Different stories that come to my mind over the last several years that, that, that we have, have made an impact in this place. Lord, I pray that we would be alive, salt, in this community, making a difference each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray.